Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Let's start with some of uh, what Sam Harris calls housekeeping. Some of you complained uh, for the last episode that the music was too loud relative to my voice. I always correct that. Um, I try to correct that, and I didn't do a good job last time, and apparently I haven't been doing a great job all the time. Uh, so this time I really tor- turned the music down much more than it had been before, and hopefully um, that's better. Uh, my instinct is to m- maybe keep a little bit of that uh, gap. I'm apparently over- I'm apparently not shooting high enough when I am reducing the sound of the music, uh, but I did it this time more than I normally would, so hopefully that's taken care of. You can tell me if it's not. Another thing I uh, got feedback on and I noticed I noticed it myself is that when you go to the uh, transcript, it is basically close to unreadable because I say you know a lot, so much so that you'll look at a paragraph and it'll be there seven, eight times. Obviously, I don't do this consciously. Um, I saw this I saw this myself. And then Brian Kaplan, my friend, emailed me, and he gave me some advice. He said, whenever you want to use one of those filler words, you know, uh, like, you just pause. It's uncomfortable for you, but it's not uncomfortable for the other person you're having a conversation with or the listener. I think that's right. And so now... I am going slowly and choosing my words deliberately. It feels unnatural, but this is feedback that I think is good feedback. And I will try to not say, you know, during this monologue. So one reason this is so hard for me is I speak, I tend not to have much of a gap between what I'm thinking and what I say. And I write like this too. Often I think things through. I figure out uh, what I think or what I want to say or what I believe based on what comes out of my mouth. Now that's bad. That could be bad if you're not reflective, if you just feel a desire to stick to the first thing that comes out of your mouth. And then, you know, you don't update your views or change your mind, but I'm more willing than most people to update my views and change my mind. And so there's, you listen to me in my natural conversational tone and cadence and style. I'm, I have a lot of false starts. I have a lot of starting to say one thing, realizing that's not right. Correcting myself, um, realizing whether something makes sense or not, or is a good argument within the moment. And I, you can't see my writing process, obviously, like the way you can hear me speak. But the writing process is as much the same way. I'll just start writing on a topic, just go stream of consciousness. Usually it's pretty good. Usually it doesn't. It's not that much. 
there's not that much editing that you have to do uh, after that because I have the whatever I was thinking thought out. But sometimes there is. Sometimes I look back and I say, look, this whole thing is wrong. I was thinking about this issue the wrong way or I was framing it the wrong way and I've got to go back and write something else. But the only reason I realized that was because I just brought out what I was thinking and just put it out there, pen to paper, so to speak, not actually pen to paper, you know, fingers to computer. I just said, you know, for the first time, hopefully that's the last I'm going to try not to, not to do that. And it goes, it it goes out there and then this is a learning process. So when I step back and I have to think deliberately about what I'm saying, and that means with the goal of, I guess, making the transcript more readable. I don't know. People don't say, people don't tell me that it's hard to understand what I'm saying or it's unpleasant to listen to. Maybe it is. I don't know. This reminds me of something I once read about Trump and how he speaks in front of an audience going back to Trump. It's very, if you read the transcript, it's sort of like reading my transcript. It's just complete nonsense because it's, false starts. It's going in this direction, that direction. He's playing off the crowd. But then when you listen to him, you sort of, you know, what's going on. It doesn't look good on paper, but it really looks, it it looks good, or at least appeals to somebody, you know, the people who like Trump. And so to this is to the end of having more readable transcripts, I suppose, but also probably Will this will make my monologues and conversations going forward? It's easier to do this in a monologue than a dialogue format to do something this uh, unnatural. It'll hopefully make them better listens and more enjoyable for the listener. So bear with me here. I am going to try to speak slowly and deliberately and without filler words. And I may fail and slip back into my normal pattern. We just have to see how it goes. Okay. So I watched uh, Ridley Scott's Napoleon the other day. I was going to do a uh, discussion with it, discussion about it with Rob Henderson. We still might do it. I was waiting until I finished the Andrew Roberts biography. I'd read uh, Michael, Barreras, I think is how you pronounce his name. It was up to 18, his life up to 1805. I'd read that book. I hadn't read a full biography of Napoleon, but I was reading Andrew Roberts's and I finished it. And then once I finished it, I wanted to see the movie. And then I wanted to see it in the theaters, but it was too late. It wasn't playing within 15 miles of my house. But luckily, it was on Amazon Prime, so I didn't get to see it on the big screen, but I did see, I did watch it at home the other day. So sometimes people are like, you have to see it on the big screen. I, I don't know. It's like if I'm closer to the, t- the TV is like uh, 70 or 70 inches or so, and I'm much closer to the TV than I am to the big screen in the theater, does that make up for it? I don't know. Prob- probably not, actually. The big screen is uh, probably still better. And this movie, so I wanted to go in with a good historical basis. The, the, the movie has been getting terrible reviews. Um, I have not, I don't read the reviews 
before going to see a film or watching a show, I like to go in fresh. Um, but you know, they say that Napoleon is emasculated in the film. That's just, you know, a phrase I've seen. I did not see from what I could, I could, I did not read a full review, but I read headlines and quotes on Twitter from reviews and they were all negative. Nobody seemed to like this film. Now, when that happens, I often want to have a contrarian take, especially when something is people say is bad. I want to be able to say it's actually good. When something is good, I don't have as much of a desire to actually say it's bad, but I think it works in the other direction. I want to, I want to give artists the benefit of the doubt. I want to usually think that they're doing something that other people can't see that maybe I am the only one sophisticated enough to appreciate. But this movie wasn't good. Now, it wasn't terrible on its own terms. I enjoyed the scenery. I enjoyed the dynamics between Napoleon and Josephine. And it's basically about Napoleon and Josephine's relationship with battle scenes throughout. But if you care about Napoleon's story at all, and it's incredible story, and it's, it's such an incredible story that it's almost impossible to tell it in a way that's not entertaining. So I'm watching the film, and the whole time I'm thinking – Okay, how's he going to deal with the coup? How's he going to deal with the winter in, in Russia when Napoleon invades Russia in 1812? The exiles. There, there's so much happened. There's so much happening in the man's life. And this makes it hard to make a movie about it. It's hard to write a, to write a biography. Uh, the Robert's biography that I read is close to a thousand pages. And even that there's like huge parts of his life or the politics of the time that has to be left out just because he's a player in the aftermath of the French revolution, which is this monumental event in European history. Napoleon fights in Italy, goes to Egypt. And I got a book called Napoleon in Egypt, just because the, the Egyptian campaign is perhaps the most fascinating part of a, a fascinating life. So that's before he comes to power. He comes back. He has a coup. He becomes a ruler of France, fights war after war after war, shifting coalition, is, puts his brother on the throne of Spain, fights an insurgency in Spain, invades Russia, gets, exi- gets exiled, skipping over a lot of stuff, obviously comes back, <laughs> takes over. You have Friends reached again, the like, end of the free recording on the this episode of Clock to, to listen to the rest Paris. of the episode, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. 